Welcome to another edition of PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Sobolewski, and today I'm going to talk about one particular cause of abdominal pain, one cause that only occurs in 50% of the human population, the ruptured or hemorrhagic ovarian cyst. The classic clinical presentation of a hemorrhagic ovarian cyst is abrupt onset of unilateral lower abdominal pain. That's the classic presentation. You're doing nothing, you're sitting around, and then boom, you've got focal lower quadrant pain. Sometimes it happens when women are doing nothing. Sometimes it happens after more vigorous activities such as sexual intercourse. Interestingly, the right ovary is more commonly affected. Now, this is thought to be due to the fact that the rectosigmoid colon on the left protects the left ovary from rupturing and leaking blood everywhere with minor trauma, but nobody really knows this, and it's a case series that define the right-sided predominance. Again, the classic pain is unilateral, lower abdominal pain that is sharp and focal. It can be pretty severe and increases to maximal levels shortly after onset. Think that the pain associated with this ruptured cyst is due to the irritation if there's blood from the cyst itself. If you suspect that it's part of the diagnosis, you want to know whether or not the patient has a known current ovarian cyst. Sometimes it's actually being followed by their gynecologist. Did they have a previous history of ovarian cysts, especially ruptured cysts? They have other gynecologic conditions that can cause pain, such as endometriosis, PID, cystitis, irritable bowel syndrome or inflammatory bowel disease, fibromyalgia, or another cause of muscular pelvic pain. Obviously, you want to know their last menstrual period, their obstetric and gynecologic history, which is not uncommon in the pediatric ED, unfortunately, um, other medical comorbidities and medications, including birth control pills or anticoagulation, their surgical history, current medications, and of course, whether or not they're sexually active. Ruptured cysts will only cause mild to moderate tenderness on deep palpation. Again, because it's always on the right, you'll be thinking about other diagnoses. We'll get to that in a minute. If there's a lot of blood that's leaked, they may have more intense pain. Most often, vital signs are normal, though a low-grade fever may be present. Hemodynamic instability is rare. In the hypotensive patient, you're going to think about a more serious diagnosis, such as an ectopic pregnancy. If the patient can tolerate it, at the very least, a bimanual examination is valuable. Lab workup should definitely include a pregnancy test because if the HCG is positive, then you better be looking for ectopic pregnancy. Other tests are obviously dependent on your differential diagnosis. Hemodynamically unstable patients certainly needs a CBC and a type and screen. And you can also use the CBC if you're um, assessing a pediatric appendicitis score. You get a urinalysis and a urine culture to evaluate for UTI, and the UA may show blood if the patient's not on their period and you're thinking about kidney stone, and then obviously tests for sexually transmitted infections if PID is on your differential. As I'm sure you already know, pelvic ultrasound is the first and best imaging test to evaluate a hemorrhagic ovarian cyst. The classic findings include an adnexal mass and fluid in the pelvis. These findings aren't diagnostic or specific, though, because you may just have physiologic fluid in the pelvis without a cyst in the first place. Fluid will often have debris in it 
then it's suspicious for blood. Brie can also be seen in ectopic pregnancy or pelvic infection. The ultrasound is obtained either transabdominally or transvaginally. The advantage for transvaginal ultrasound is that you don't need a full bladder. Many women can tolerate it without difficulty, especially if they've used tampons and have had previous sexual intercourse. Otherwise, transabdominal ultrasound is needed, and a full bladder creates an acoustic window that better reveals the ovaries and the rest of the retroperitoneum. We've got a few different ways to fill that bladder. One, let the patient drink, but because you probably are considering appendicitis in your differential, you're keeping them NPO, so that's usually out. Two, you can place an IV and hydrate that way. What I will do is use push-pull bolus or even a Belmont Rapid Infuser to fill the bladder as fast as possible. Save time in that way. Or three, you can place a Foley. That way you will instill fluid, saline, when you need it, and then you can remove it when the study is done. You should know about the different modalities for ultrasound as well as how to fill bladder to talk to your patients about the best way to get the imaging test that you need. Let them know that the longer they wait, the longer they're potentially in pain. Let's face it, getting that ultrasound is the key to making the diagnosis. If you've got a woman with an ectopic pregnancy, you could have a very short time period before they become hemodynamically unstable. Ovarian torsion is another condition that really mimics the presentation of the hemorrhagic ovarian cyst. And because again, hemorrhagic cysts more commonly occur on the right, appendicitis is often in the differential. So many times a patient is getting both a right lower quadrant ultrasound with graded compression searching for the appendix and a pelvic ultrasound looking for the ovaries. Sometimes this would actually be a combination of a transabdominal ultrasound and a transvaginal ultrasound. So it's always a good idea to talk to the ultrasonographer and the radiologist before ordering your test if you have questions about how to best obtain the images to make your diagnosis. When it comes to treatment, conservative management is the way that most experts recommend going. Generally, patients, again, are hemodynamically stable, so they don't need aggressive fluid resuscitation, let alone pack red blood cells. There are no studies to date comparing surgical intervention versus conservative management. Most experts would argue that conservative, non-operative management is their first choice. Patients that are hemodynamically stable without a significant drop in hematocrit that can tolerate oral fluids and pain meds are great candidates for management at home. Let them know that they should return for increased pain or lightheadedness. Non-hemorrhagic cyst fluid resorbs quicker than hemorrhagic fluid, but still, most patients will have symptom resolution within a few days, often as short as three to four. They can be managed with oral pain medicines such as Tylenol or ibuprofen. It's a good idea to recommend decreased physical activity such as strenuous work, athletics, or sexual intercourse. Surgical management is generally required if there's ongoing hemorrhage or if the patient's clinical condition is unstable. Again, this is pretty rare. Laparoscopy is the modality most often chosen that has less morbidity than the open approach. You don't necessarily need a gynecologist to help you make a disposition decision in the ED. If the patient, again, looks well and can tolerate oral pain medicines, then they can go home and see gynecology as an outpatient. All right, so that's all I've got on hemorrhagic ovarian cysts. Remember, the history is often suggestive. Pain onset is abrupt and unilateral. It occurs more often in the right side of the abdomen. 
Therefore, your differential includes appendicitis along with PID, ovarian torsion, and worst of all, ectopic pregnancy. So have a high index of suspicion for other diagnoses. Labs can help with your differential diagnosis, but do not forget the pregnancy test. Even if the patient tells you they've never had sex, I find it's a good practice to send one. Because human beings are capable of lying. Ultrasound is the best imaging test. Ultrasound of the pelvis can either be done transabdominally, in which case you'll need a full bladder, or transvaginally. It's up to you, the patient, and their family to make a decision about which way to go. The majority of patients with hemorrhagic ovarian cysts can be managed at home with oral pain medications. And make sure that they have access to gynecology for follow-up. Well, that's all for this episode. Check out PEMblog.com for more pediatric emergency medicine-focused educational content. Follow me on Twitter at PEMTweets and leave a review on iTunes. The feedback is really helpful. Once again, this has been Brad Soboleski for PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. See you next time.